Carlos Correa's deal with the Mets has hit a snag. So, is it time for the Mariners to strike? We'll talk about that and more on today's episode of Locked On Mariners. Colby, hit it. You are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Wednesday, December 28th, 2022. This is Tidane Gonzalez and Colby Patnode for the Locked On Mariners podcast. We are back. It's almost been a full week since we last saw you. Hope you had a great holiday, and thank you so much for making us your first listen. Subscribe, like, and turn on alerts if you're watching on YouTube, or subscribe and leave a five-star review on your preferred podcast platform if you like what you hear. And if you want to hear from us even more, please consider signing up for our Patreon. The link as well as our social accounts is in the description below. On the show today, how the Mariners might address their designated hitter as options on the market continue to dwindle. And is there anyone Seattle could target to be the next Mitch Hanniger or the next Ty France? We'll talk about that a little later on. But first, our lead topic of the day. Can the Mariners, Colby, get involved in the Carlos Correa saga? Because, you know, Carlos Correa was a San Francisco Giant for about a week, and then like an hour or so-ish before he was supposed to go in front of the media to be introduced as the newest San Francisco Giant. The Giants uh, pulled back on the deal, raised some concerns over his medical review. And at that point, he goes, you know what? Never mind. I'm going to New York. So he signs a 12-year, $315 million deal with the Mets. And now, more medical concerns have been raised by the Mets. And this is not over a back issue. You know, we talked a lot about Correa's back at the start of the offseason. Uh, it's about an ankle. And so now it looks like at least this iteration of the deal that we've seen between the Mets and Correa has been nixed. There is There are reports, though, that are saying there's still motivation on both sides to get a deal done with one another. But Colby, if a third team gets involved here, if Carlos Correa signs with a third team, team could that third team colby be named the seattle mariners no and that's going to do it for this segment let's tell you about bet online no uh i knew you were going to say that because that's what you say all the time whenever i ask you any question it could be a very simple question no no next segment no because i knew that i'm going to rephrase my question here and ask you why are the Mariners not going to land Carlos Correa here as the third team to sign Correa? Because they can't. And that's going to do it for this. (laughs) (laughs) No, um, uh, more than anything right now, it's still the years. Uh, there are reports that, uh, the Mets are, are maybe thinking more along the lines of eight years that that's not going to line up with the Mariners timeline at all. We know the Mariners prefer shorter deals for free agents, um, and with a shorter deal comes a higher AAV, which has its own issues, uh, you know, in the long-term budget. So, uh, it's, it's not quite as simple as just being like, oh, well, just overlook the physical and, and give him, you know, seven years and $200 million. First of all, we don't know that Correa can't beat that. In fact, we heard that the, the Minnesota twins had a 10 year, $285 million offer on the table. And the twins are very familiar with Carlos Correa's, um, you know, health. Uh, so it seems like if the deal with the Mets falls through, the, the twins are probably next in line. Uh, and you know, does Correa want to go back to Minnesota? I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe not, but 
can the Mariners beat 10 and 285? No. I mean, they could, but should they? No, probably not. Correa is not that good. Correa was going to be overpaid at, at 12 and 300. So uh, how does this thing fall far enough for where it makes sense for the Mariners so that they get a good player who helps them without you know sacrificing, potentially sacrificing somebody like Logan Gilbert or George Kirby in a few years when it's time to, to re-up those guys. So uh, I just think the timeline is going to be too messy. I still think he's going to get, you know, seven, eight years. Um, I still think he's probably going to get 30 million plus uh, AAV. And, and I just don't see the Mariners going down that road, not for Carlos Correa. So, um, you know, it, unless the market just absolutely crashes, it's not like they, they have the worst chance. I would say they're still probably top 10, but that's only because 20 other teams are, are just, they're not going to pay that much for anybody. So, um, yeah, I just, I don't see it because I, I don't see any path to a, uh, a deal that works for the Mariners long-term, uh, you know, budgetary, uh, plans. I, I, I just can't see Korea falling to the three, four years, uh, type of range, which is what I think it would take, uh, for the Mariners to become interested. And when you have a team like the Mets, who this offseason is spending money like a kid who stole his mom's credit card on Fortnite, uh, <laughs> and they're raising concerns and they're not willing to go 12 years and $315 million because of this ankle issue, if you're a team like the Mariners that is being you know, a little more conservative, to put it lightly, with their money, they're definitely going to take pause with that. I think this ultimately gets to a point where if the Mariners are going to get involved, it has to get to the three, four-year range. I personally would do six still, uh, knowing everything that we know now. I'd still go six. Um, but after you get to that point, it, it is risky, especially if this is mm-hmm. this ankle issue plus the back as well, because the back that hasn't gone away. If those two things are, are legit, then, you know, that, that's, uh, that's a major risk that you've taken on with, with Correa. Can, you know, at that point, you know, do you even get halfway through the deal where he's still able to play in the field or is he just a bat first guy? So, right. You know, the thing that we've heard, though, from Jerry DePoto and Justin Hollander this offseason is the word opportunistic. We want to be opportunistic. And if it does get to a point here where Correa is legitimately looking at having to prove to the league once again, I can stay healthy, I am healthy, and takes another, you know, three-year deal with a bunch of options, and he ends up, you know, having a path to hit the market again next year, then maybe... Maybe the Mariners, you know, like the, to me, the Mariners should be in on that. They should be um, aggressive on that front. Um, but yeah, if it, if it gets to the point, though, where he's like, where he's actually legitimately entertaining the, the Twins offer, if that Twins offer still exists, if they haven't pulled that back and moved on, mm-hmm. if he's still entertaining that and then telling, you know, teams like the Mets, like, that's where you have to get to in order to to land me, then, yeah, I'm still, I'm out, if I'm the Mariners, yep. especially with what we know now. So, uh, I do think, just to kind of wrap it up, I, I do think that there, we do get to a place here, uh, or that we can get to a place here where it does make sense for the Mariners, and it makes a ton of sense for the Mariners, but I just, I don't know if we're actually, uh, if that's actually going to happen here. All right, so uh, the other thing that the Mariners need to address right now, and by the way, real quick on the Correa thing, uh, it doesn't matter that you acquired Colton Wong. It doesn't matter that you acquired J.P. Crawford. You figure that out afterward. Go get the player. Mm-hmm. Go get a really good player in Carlos Correa and figure it out afterward. Those guys could be depth. They could be a nice trade piece. doesn't matter. 
you can hey there's no rule <laughs> from major league baseball that says that you can't trade a, a player that you just acquired via trade so you could just trade Colton Wong if you wanted to doesn't matter uh but that's like a non-discussion that's like way 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 down down the list um in terms of you know the reaction to uh to a potential Correa deal uh but yeah so the other thing that the Mariners need to address right now a pretty glaring hole on the roster is designated hitter now we know that they want to keep the DH spot open they typically have in the past to rotate guys through there but Colby I've said this on the show before that I uh I don't really see anyone on this roster right now I don't see uh, a good amount of quality hitters on this roster to really um justify having that dh spot open so let's talk about how they could address that in just a moment here but real quick a reminder this episode of locked on mariners is brought to you by bet online betonline.net is your number one source for sports betting info stats news and analysis get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football to college bowl season and basketball we've got it all over at betonline.net and if you love sports podcasts you can find those at betonline as well we're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info or use your mobile device to learn more bet online is where the game starts and you're listening to the locked on mariners podcast thank you so much for making us your first listen so dh you told me today you wanted to talk about it it's a very glaring hole on the mariners roster as i said so at this point in the offseason, we've seen guys like Brandon drury and will myers come off of the board that you know we mm-hmm. talked about quite extensively here now that those guys are off the board, I mean, there's still options out there, but who or how could the Mariners address DH? Yeah, so the Mariners' plan the entire offseason has been to have four, they call starting caliber outfielders, and then just kind of rotate the extra outfielder through the DH on any given day. And that that's a good plan. It makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, a lot of good teams do that. Uh, the issue is, is that if that plan doesn't come to fruition, you can't just be like, well, we're so desperate not to have a full-time DH that we just, we're not going to, and we're going to cycle through Cade Marlowe and, and, you know, Cooper Hummel through the DH spot, just so we can keep that open that you, you can't do that. That that's a massive hole in your lineup that you just can't afford. So at some point, a primary DH makes sense. And, and ideally you want that primary DH to still be able to play somewhere on the field on any given day. Um, I think ideally it would still be outfield. I, I think that's the way you want to go. Um, but if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. You have to pivot. You, you just can't roll with, with, you know, unknown Cade Marlowe and you can't have your backup catcher DH that you're asking for trouble there. So I, I think there are some free agents who are still available who make sense. They can play at least one other position, um, reasonably well enough that I, I think you can make it work. But, uh, yeah, the free agent market's pretty dry right now. Uh, and in terms of, you know, the fourth outfield type, uh, there, there's not a lot of guys like that. There are some platoon options available, but uh, at that point, you still need a DH. So, uh, yeah, there are a few guys that we haven't really talked about that I think make sense. And, and so I think we should at least mention them um, as we kind of inch our way slowly but surely to uh, pitchers and catchers reporting. So, all right. So who you got for me? Okay. Um, so I got there's a couple of. Uh, minor league free agent types. Um, there's a couple of, uh, guys who don't fit positionally all that well. Um, I guess we'll start with those guys. Uh, three guys that kind of stand out. Uh, they lack defensive versatility. They're really first base DH only, which is why they're not extremely high on the list. But, uh, 
Yuli Gurriel, a former Astro, mm-hmm. uh, had a terrible year last year, um, but he has hit pretty much everywhere, every other year of his career. Uh, very CTZ type of bat, doesn't strike out much. Interesting guy. Uh, Brandon Belt of the Giants, formerly of the Giants, I should say. He's pretty interesting. He also had a very bad year last year, um, but the year before he hit 28 home runs, 29 home runs in 94 games. Um, he is an interesting bat. Uh, he hasn't played the outfield since 2019 though. So that's kind of an issue. The strikeout rate has, has jumped up to 27% each of the last two years, but there there's enough. I think they're there to be interested in the bat. Uh, Dominic Smith is kind of an interesting guy, former Mets prospect, uh, had one good run of success, but never got consistent enough playing time in New York to really show what he can do. He's only 28, but he is also first base and DH only, uh, the Mets tried to put him in the outfield. They shouldn't, <laughs> they shouldn't have, he is not good out there. Um, it is, it is Mark Trumbo esque out in left field. And that's just no, just no. Um, you know, as for guys who can maybe play another position aside from first base, uh, which would be ideal. Oh, I, I should also throw Luke Voigt into that last, into that last group. Um, should probably only DH, but he can play first base. If you need him to, um, other guys who can kind of, you know, play, maybe play multiple position or a different position, I should say. Um, Carly Culverson is kind of interesting. He's more of a platoon guy, crushes lefties, but, uh, you know, there's some versatility there. He's played some third, he's played some left field. Uh, the name I, I really like right now, Evan Longoria is pretty mm. interesting. Um, still a really good defender at third base by just about any metric, which is surprising considering he's 37 years old. Uh, he's about an average bat still, but, uh, you know, there are some health concerns, but he's going to primarily DH and then he'll play some third, uh, you know, maybe once or twice a week and, and maybe some first, um, as well. Uh, so you can kind of rotate, you know, three guys through, uh, first base and third base and DH. Uh, but I, I do think that bat plays pretty well in Seattle, um, as well. So I think he can still hit. It's not ideal. None of these guys are. Uh, and then you kind of look at the outfield, you know, the, the platoon guys, Adam Duvall, Eh, hasn't really been all that good the last few years. Robbie Grossman still crushes lefties. He's a good platoon partner with Kelnick, and he's actually a pretty good defender. Is he a full-time DH type? Probably not, but mm-hmm. uh, you know he's good enough uh, that you might be able to get away with it. Uh, David Peralta is a guy that we've talked about a little, but he's more of your all your full-time you know guy, and, and he's probably the guy that if you're looking for like a, a starting outfielder, like four starting outfielders. He's probably the best bet of who's remaining in free agency to be that guy. Um, and then, you know, a couple of maybe minor league signings. Uh, these guys might be interesting. Chad Pender, uh, formerly of the A's, kind of move around a little bit. Uh, he's hit lefties pretty well in his career. It's been a rough couple of years for Chad Pender. Um, same goes for Steven Piscotti, who can kind of play all three outfield spots. Uh, crushes lefties, but he has had a, a rough uh, few years here. Uh, yeah. both on and off the field. So, uh, yeah, there, there's, it's not a lot of guys, but, you know, we've talked a lot about Brian Anderson. We've talked a lot about, you know, Mancini. We've talked a lot about McCutcheon, but uh, there are some other guys out there that could still help you. Um, I guess we should probably throw Kevin Pillar on the list, um, a guy who didn't really play last year, but does have a track record of hitting lefties and kind of play uh, all around the outfield. So, again, not a ton of guys. And if you just want a straight up DH, just a pure DH, like he's not going to play anywhere but DH, 
if you want to take a shot on Nelson Cruz, I know Seattle loves Nelly, um, but he has been bad since he left Minnesota. He was pretty bad for uh, the Rays when they traded him, and he was pretty darn bad for the uh, Nationals last year. So do you want to take that chance? It's a full-time DH. You're, you're not getting any defense from Nelson Cruz, even at first base. So, again, nobody ideal, but those are some names that are still floating around out there that could fit in a full-time DH type of role. Yeah, I think with Nelly, like if you don't have anything squared away there, if you don't have DH squared away, like trial run. First, you know, month or two, if, you know, it doesn't work, DFA him. You know, it sucks, but like, hey, you bring back a fan favorite, uh, a guy who's going to fit well in that clubhouse, um, a guy that, you know, Scott and Jerry are very familiar with. I think it could make some sense. Um, But yeah, I, I, I think you, you know, preferably don't want to get to that point because uh right like you said it's been a struggle for the last year and a half for for nelly he had a really good mm-hmm. month i believe in june uh this year in washington that was about it for him so yeah um yeah. and those are all again those are all just free agents uh, the trade yeah. market which we know the the path jerry prefers is the trade market that's yeah. probably where it's more likely they would fill that role but again if you're going to look for free agency those are just some of the guys that make some sense and friday we got a trade proposal for Christian Walker of the Diamondbacks, and we actually kind of talked about this whole thing, the the DH spot. When does it make sense to just get a full-time DH? I think mm-hmm. Walker would make a lot of sense if they're able to hammer out a trade there. Uh, I think he might be a little expensive, uh, especially as far as you know, first base slash DH types go because he had a really great year this past season. Um, so, yeah. but yeah, maybe that's an option. Uh, I just, to kind of, you know, circle back here and just uh wrap it all up i i think um i think there really is like like i think we're getting very close to their to to the mariners just saying you know what let's just get a full-time dh let's just see you know we like let's just get the offense by any means necessary um right that's that's kind of where i'm getting to as as well just in terms of like how i would like to see things go right but you still need you still need an outfielder um because you just can't Roll with Jared Kelnick, so and I love I think, David Peralta. By the way, I think that's a great yeah. idea, and I don't think the Mariners should limit themselves to a to a right-handed bat in the outfield either. I know that they want to try no. and create some sort of platoon with Kelnick in order to get him at bats, but you can you can still get Kelnick plenty of at bats yeah. even with and Peralta. By the way, Peralta and, Peralta's still a pretty good defender too. Yeah, and he's not terrible against lefties either. Um, he can hold his own against lefties. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I think you can still get. I still think you can get Kalnick plenty of at-bats. I think you can get him three, four starts a week, uh, mostly against righties. You can use him late in games off the bench. Like, And honestly, getting Kelnick 500 at-bats shouldn't be the goal, right? The goal should be to to win the division. <laughs> and so David Peralta helps you with that. And, and if Kelnick does earn 500 at-bats, great. Then you have a really good fourth outfielder to protect yourself from injuries in case Julio needs a week or Teoscar, you know, hurts his shoulder and he's out a month. Like, okay, well, Kelnick is yeah. now the right fielder and, and Peralta's left fielder. Yeah. You know, so you can still get Kelnick plenty of at bats, even if you go sign a guy like Peralta to be the left fielder and go get like Luke Voigt to be the DH. Yeah. You know what I mean? You could still right. uh, get Kelnick plenty of at bats in that scenario. I like Peralta so much that like even if they're you know some of these other guys were still available and they they ended up signing David Peralta, I would have been really cool with it. I actually would have been very excited about that. So if they end up getting Peralta here, that would be nice. That would be a really nice addition. Mm-hmm. 
All right, so uh, we're going to be talking more about trades and whatnot because we have a question from a friend of the show. We're going to get to that in just a moment. But first, a message from the NHTSA. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks, but a few becomes a few too many. And as the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride, but nah. You live nearby. You can make it home okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. What if you kill someone? Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So, if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. And you're listening to the Locked On Mariners podcast. Thank you again for making us your first Listen, so we have a question from friend of the show, Ben Ranieri, who actually guest hosted a show with me during the summer. And Ben wants to know, is there a Mitch Hanniger slash Ty France type player out there? Both players were great minor league hitters being blocked by big league talent. So could Jerry look to find an option like this instead of an expensive player like Brian Reynolds? So. Thank you, first of all, for the question, Ben. Uh, there's a, a few names that I think could kind of fit what you're looking for. None of them are really perfect comps in terms of situation. Uh, but Colby, I was thinking we could get into a few of these. I know you like Paven Smith from the uh, from the Diamondbacks. You mentioned him in our uh, in our DMs uh, today. Uh, he's a guy that hasn't really, uh, found his way at the major league level the last, uh, three years. He, he made his major league debut in 2020, posted a 97 WRC plus in 12 games. He played 145 games in 2021, played a hell of a lot, uh, for the Diamondbacks slash 267, 328, 404. It's a 96 WRC plus, but that slash line is not too bad. The issue though is, you know, he's a first base corner outfield DH type. That's really, you know, what he is, and you would like to see more production out of there uh, from that position. Uh, and then this past season, the 75 games, just a 220, 300, 367 uh, triple slash line with an 87 WRC+. plus. But down on the minor league level, Colby, you know, we know how much uh, Jerry and Justin Hollander love their minor league performers. He crushed it down in the minor leagues. So uh, what do you think of Smith, uh, who's 26 years old now, uh, as a uh, potential bounce back candidate, obviously the the Diamondbacks have a ton of outfield depth right now, or at least a ton of guys that they're going to rotate through those spots right now, and the DH and first base. They just added Lord Esguriel Jr. to that mix now. Uh, so, what do you think about Smith as a potential bounce back option here? Someone that's not going to cost you a ton. What do you think? I think he's okay. Um... You know, I don't think he's good enough that I'd rather give him at bats than somebody like Jared Kelnick, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he's an interesting guy. He's kind of decently athletic. He can he can stand out in the outfield and he even played a little bit of center field uh, last in twenty twenty one. But yeah, he's left ba- left field, first base. I, I I think I'd probably rather take the chance on like Brandon Belt if that's the type of profile I'm going to go get. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's interesting and, you know, there are definitely some, some things that 
uh, Jerry and his analysts are going to like about Smith's game. Um, there are some things that that aren't a perfect fit. So I think he's interesting. I don't think he'd be all that expensive, but he does have, I think, four full years of, of club control remaining. So uh, he's not going to be super cheap either. We'll have to wait and see what Arizona decides to do. Again, very weird team. They just traded Varsho. Um, looks like maybe they could be you know, starting a rebuild, but doesn't sound like they want to trade Cattell Marte. Doesn't sound like they're interested in taking offers on Walker or, or Gallon. So... Who really knows what the Arizona Diamondbacks are going to do? They're they're one of the great mystery teams in Major League Baseball. They they never seem to know what they want to do either. And let's just go from one mystery team to another here. There's a couple guys on the race that I think fits this mm-hmm. bill at least a little bit. Josh Lowe, this guy that's actually had a little bit of success at the Major League level, um, but uh, overall just slashed 221, 284, 343 in 52 games this past year. Uh, was worth 0.3 F4, uh, so a positive F4 overall. Uh, he was 87th percentile in sprint speed uh, this mm-hmm. past season. He didn't register for a lot of the uh, baseball savant uh, metrics, but he uh, he did in sprint speed and was 87th percentile in that. And he's just he's done everything that you could possibly do at the AAA level uh, the last couple of years. 142 WRC plus in 2021, 151 WRC plus in 2022 down in AAA. He doesn't need AAA anymore. He needs to be playing at the major league level, and he needs to be able to uh, to get you know fairly consistent reps now. The thing with that is right now the the Mariners are kind of you know in a similar predicament with Jared Kelnick. So right. why would you add another type of guy? And honestly, Lowe is not that far off from Kelnick either in age, twenty four, you know, years old to uh, to twenty three years old. However, though he is going to turn twenty five in February, so a little bit of an age difference there. But similar situations in general. Uh, I just I don't know if you want to add another one of those guys, but that's kind of interesting because I just don't really see him getting the playing time in in Tampa uh, from here. Any thoughts on Lowe? I like him. I like the profile. I like the athletic skills. Um, but like you said, it's he's so similar to Kelnick, um, just in terms of the role that he would fill. Uh, I I don't think you want two Kelnicks on, on the on your roster. Um, so I, I'd probably pass, but. I mean, depending on the price, you're, you're you're certainly interested because there are there are a lot of tools to build on uh, with low. So yeah, this is a guy that you know. Again, I mentioned the sprint speed. He had 30 steals back in 2019, 26 mm-hmm. steals back in 2021, uh, 25 steals in AAA this past season, uh, and 28 if you want to combine his uh, MLB numbers. Uh, so uh, he certainly would provide value on the base pass and would give this team some much needed speed, right? Like this. You know they've they've added a little bit of that. They've added some better base running skills and guys like Colton Wong, uh, but they were so bad on the base pass uh, last year and so slow overall as a team. Uh, there's a, an article about that that you can read on Prospect Insider by Luke Arkins that really dives into that. Uh, it's just yeah, they they need to get more athletic. So Josh Lowe would help them do that. Now on the complete opposite end of the spectrum is Jonathan Aranda, who's not going to give them any athleticism at all. I <laughs> uh, I believe the I believe Fangraphs actually has him. Yeah, Fangraphs has him here as a twenty grade runner. <laughs> so ugh, yikes. Uh, Aranda is basically Yandy Diaz. They have two Yandy Yandy Diaz's. Now, Aranda hasn't found success at the major league level. He played in 32 games this year after making his debut. Uh, he slashed just 192, 276, 321 with a 74 WRC plus, negative 0.2 F4, uh, just two home runs, six REI, struck out 26.4% of the time. But he in the in the minor leagues, he's, you know, 
high on base guy. He's cracked uh, a 400 on base percentage twice in his minor league career, three times actually. Um, mm-hmm. or no, two times because the the other time that he did it was like only two games. So he's cracked it two times. He's you know just big bat to ball skills guy. Uh, walks a lot. The the what you're getting here is a hit tool and plate discipline. That's really all you're you know all you're getting here. Uh, he doesn't hit for power. Uh, just like Yandy Diaz, like I mentioned, like that's, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of comps to be made there. Uh, he's just, uh, he's a lefty Yandy Diaz really. Uh, and we know about the mess of, uh, you know, middle infielders the Rays have on their 40 man roster right now. Ronda is on their 40 man roster as well. Of course, you know, he played at the major league level. Uh, so, you know, I could see an opportunity here. I think he was actually even mentioned in some rumors this off season. I could see an opportunity here for the Mariners to, uh, maybe get a Ronda, and uh, actually give them some opportunities, especially if they do have that DH open. Because um, mm-hmm. he's he's a guy that would certainly fit that. You don't want him playing in the field a lot. So, uh, But that hit tool is really interesting. If that actually gets going, yeah, he doesn't hit for a lot of power, but if he can get on base, you know, 370, 380, 390, something like that, and, you know, hit for a 320 average and walk as much as he does, that's a really valuable hitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's a little tie France uh, to the to the profile um, as well. Just like ultimately, probably a first baseman, but you know the Rays did play him some at third, some at second, but he really shouldn't play there. Uh, he should be your first baseman or your DH. And and you know it's it's funny you talk about the two years he had an on base percentage of over four hundred. Um, last year it was all the way down to three ninety four. So you know oh. he's, he's clearly a declining player. Um, but no, he, he's interesting, but he's interesting enough and he's cheap enough that I wonder if maybe the Rays want to make him the guy uh, that they use. And right. maybe that makes them more open to trading somebody like Yandy Diaz or, uh, um, maybe somebody like, uh, Isak Paredes who had a really weird kind of year last year, mm-hmm. only at 200, but he did hit 20 home runs and there is some versatility there defensively. So um, yeah, I don't know if he's going to be available, um, because I could see the Rays just being like, oh, well, you know, Yandi only has a year left. So, or two years left. So let's just trade him and, and parade and, uh, you know, and Aranda is the same guy. So we'll just, we'll just replace, make that swap. So mm-hmm. if he is available though, I, I would be interested. I, I like the bat enough to think that that can play. And I think you can hide him around the field enough to get him enough at bats that you can really see what he can do at the major league level lastly on on my list i don't know if you have anyone else uh colby but lastly on my list is david vr who's just crushed at every level of uh of the minor leagues finally got a chance at the major league level uh with the giants this year uh he's 25 years old uh he uh right-handed hitter right-handed thrower plays third base uh mostly he's played some first he's dh'd a little bit played some second a little bit uh so he's played pretty much all around the diamond uh, except for short um 231 331 455 uh this past year that's a 124 wrc plus in 52 games that's not nothing he was worth almost a full win uh this year nine home runs uh 24 rbi now the giants didn't sign carlos correa so i think if you know they signed correa this would make even more sense because he would be even more blocked but you know they they do have wilmer flores they do have brandon crawford they do have thyro uh thyro estrada they do still have tommy la i can't believe that contract is still going on 
Um, they have guys. They have J.D. Davis. Uh, so, mm-hmm. so they do have guys that are taking opportunities away from VR, but he's also 25 years old. He's shown some uh, success at the major league level. I don't think that they're really in a position where they're uh, uh, they're wanting to get rid of him because he's nice depth to have. But if they were, uh, I think this is kind of an interesting swing for the for the Mariners to take. Yeah, as he fills more of the the corner infield uh yeah. bat type of thing that that Jerry was talking about not a very good defender um not terrible at third but eh, you really don't want him you really don't want to overexpose him there um so yeah he's first base third base dh yeah the numbers were were pretty surprising uh when when you mentioned him i, I started to look around uh at his numbers and and there are some really promising things here in the minors uh he wasn't in any of the summer camps in in 2020 uh during the uh the pandemic year and he came back and essentially he, he found power uh, in that break. And, and that's really is what changed his profile because I don't think there's enough hit tool here that he was going to hit like, you know, 280 with a 370 on base. And, and then you could survive with the 400 slug at, at third base. I didn't think that was going to be possible. So he found some power. Um, there, there is a little bit of swing and miss here uh, to be concerned about. And again, his defense is, is not great. It's, it's workable. You can make it work, but he ultimately probably comps closer to to Ty France than than like Mitch Haniger, mm-hmm. who was at least able to give you something defensively uh, when he when he was healthy. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm interested in that guy though because I, I think you know, like I don't think you can get him for like a Penn Murphy, but maybe Matt Festa for David VR. Maybe that makes some sense that type of deal. Um, but we'll see what happens with with him. But he is an interesting guy, and the Giants are you know, fairly good at player development. So it, it's possible that they, uh, they found something here um, that, you know, has turned his bat into a, a legitimate bat. Mm-hmm. Also, have we considered that maybe the next Mitch Hanniger, next type France is just on the Mariners already. Cade Marlowe. Cade Marlowe. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Like in terms of just, you know, comping the situations, uh marlo's does it 20 25 years old he's crushed every level of of the minor leagues he also did mitch hanniger yeah. ever have a 30 percent strikeout rate in the high minors let's look let's, let's find out i'm like I'm it's a legitimate to question i'm gonna guess no but I'm, you know. I'm i would guess no as well but let's see uh wait oh no it's not showing his minor league numbers uh no he did not strike out that much um he struck i think the most he struck out on the minors was 19.9 percent yeah. it's a little ways off from the what 28 29 percent marlo ran last year yeah he ran <laughs> Ooh, he had a 38.3 percent yeah rate in, uh, in triple a. A. 13 yeah. games so 13 games so yeah uh he was right, uh he was, was 20 25.7 which is fine ish that's a it's, little it's a little than high for, to be, it's but, but it's yeah. pretty high for double a in his age at that level yeah. like i hope i'm wrong about Cade marlowe because he is a fun player like he's got some mm-hmm. speed he's he's developed some power there's there's average skills like but that strikeout rate at his age at those levels yeah hey, that's that's tough to ignore it's yeah. it's very concerning and and uh, you know, I think defensively he's going to be pretty good too. Like I'm excited to see, I, I think we're going to see a lot of Cade Marlowe this spring, especially with the number of Mariners who appear to be headed to the world baseball classic. Uh, he's one of those guys that like, if we do like a, Hey, five guys I'm watching really closely in spring training uh, list, he's going to be on that list. Cause he's a really interesting mm-hmm. guy, but man, that strikeout rate. <laughs> yeah. Like if you're striking out 25% of the time as a 25 year old in double a, 
and then you go to AAA, and even if it's only two weeks, you strike out almost forty percent of the time. Like, yeah, essentially, essentially all of his at bats ended at a hit or a strikeout. <laughs> that was K Marlowe in in AAA last year. Two so. true outcomes. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> whew, man. But uh, yeah, he's he's fun, and, and the Mariners have had success finding guys like this. Um, obviously, Hanniger and France are the two big ones. Um, but you know, look at what they were able to turn Austin Nola into and look at what, you know, Austin Nola became, it became yeah. Ty France. And you also, even on the smaller end of success, they've, they've had success with guys like Dylan Moore and, and Sam Haggerty who are both, you know, role players, I guess, um, who were minor league nothings. They were minor league free agents, I think when the Mariners found them. So the Mariners do have a pretty good track record of finding these guys, but every team in baseball is looking for, you know, the, the, upper twenties minor leaguer who just hasn't gotten the right chance for one reason or another that they just mm. find. And, and all of a sudden they get prime production for like three years at, at no, at no cost. So every team's looking for Mitch Hanniger, so The Mariners have, have found one, I would say two. And they've also found varying success with a few other guys. Um, just not quite Mitch Hanniger levels. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's going to do it for our show today. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Locked On News podcast. For Colby Patnode, I'm Tidy Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez. It's D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z and Colby at CPAT11. That's C-P-A-T-1-1. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode. And thank you again for making us your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast featuring the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day it's available on the odyssey app youtube and wherever you get your podcasts just like us and with that have yourself a beautiful baseball day and we'll see you on friday